4: What is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast coming to you live Sunday, December 11th. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. and holy cannoli. Do we have a full squad tonight?
2: Holy
5: cannoli.
4: We've got the producer J.D. Silva with us. Hello. We've got my guy, Justin Peabody. Hello, everybody. We've got or I said dallas's own
5: nick crane there we go a week from today at this time i will be limping back to my car to drive back to dallas after a game of pickup yeah thunder
4: media pickup it's gonna be a Lamping. blast i'm gonna i'm gonna hit a sham god and tear my acl we've got taylor here
2: <laughs> i mean i hope that you're you're the one uh, making making defenders limp nick I, well, I don't, we don't need you limping pause. Hey, look, full group pause. pod <laughs>
5: Instead of instead of having Silva cue that up, Taylor just freestyles free it on the podcast. Oh, I I go down. to
4: Taylor, move. right oh, off I the iPhone. The, the high it. quality. I think one time Taylor played Hail Mary by oh, Tupac on yes, his is. phone through his microphone as an intro to a podcast. <laughs> Rest in peace, Pac. High quality audio here at the Young We've also got Kam Yarmarabi in here.
5: Hey, you know we're we're doing our best with what we got. Okay, that's all we can ask at the end of the day. <laughs> that, that's all we got, man.
4: Gentlemen, we have one more game left on the Thunder Road Trip. Lots of podcasts coming up this next week as the Thunder have four games. We have a weekly pod a week from tonight. And then uh, that's our last weekly show before Christmas. You know what that means. Next Sunday, we get to play my favorite sounder that we have.
2: I thought about that last week. I'm, to so, I'm so excited. am hey, so so speaking sound, why are you gonna play? Why are you, you gonna, dude, gonna play put the about the bus
5: song
3: tonight?
4: Or... Great for him.
5: Hey, <laughs> what?
3: Play time. that again. <laughs> I've been holding this back for nearly three weeks because of Thanksgiving <laughs> and then the flu. <laughs> so here you go.
4: And that dude put a sock in my mouth tonight. Great for him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we needed you here last week. Whenever we just trashed Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah. For like. 30 minutes as Look much as him. I hate Rudy Gobert. Thank you. It's been a while.
2: I just saw I, my favorite part is probably before Silva even plays the sounder because so I can just see his mind working. <laughs> He's going to yeah. see
4: the wheels turning Where in his is head. It?
5: <laughs> we were testing <laughs> it out before the podcast for anybody else joined, seeing, seeing sounders work. Yeah. Speaking, Speaking of sounders, can we get can we get one more sounder? Play a Nick one. No, huh. I, I got a special the request. Universe. Oh, okay. What's your special request? <laughs> what is it? The uh, the about to bust guy passed away, so it's only yeah, right. You're right. He
2: did. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust.
5: <laughs> Rest, in peace. Rest in peace. We're
4: unloading the clip five minutes into the show. Yeah, <laughs> like there's nope, nothing no left. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah, about to bust. Taylor talking about making guys limp. You know, we getting From everything sock out. My mouth. Sock in my mouth. <laughs> This is good. the uncontested really. that means.
2: <laughs> this is what happens where-
4: <laughs> Do we need to put like an NC17 on this episode? I don't know. You'd be the nah. judge.
2: I've The Thunder time, have guys. been playing
4: basketball four games into this five-game road trip, longest road trip of this season. They're two and two. Um I don't know if you guys remember, but on this podcast before the road trip started, I came on, I said I think they'll go 1 and 5. 1 and 5 would like be all right. They're one two and five two. On, on a- one of four, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I teach history, not math. <laughs> one of, I said one of four. They're two and two, chance to go down to Dallas to win a game tomorrow night. So I want to ask you guys, the two and two feature wins over the Atlanta Hawks and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who uh, lost Rudy Gobert in that game. They include losses at Cleveland, a very close one that happened last night, close until about the last three minutes. Justin had a great post game after that one. A blowout in Memphis, so you know J.D. Silva covered that game. (laughs) (laughs) So two and two on the road trip, one game left. Nick, I want to know, so far on this road trip, has this team overachieved, underachieved, or met your expectations, and why?
5: Overachieved, uh, a few reasons. At, At the surface level, like going 500 through four games is better than this team will finish the season, so... By definition, that's that's overachieving, um, but for other reasons, more more specifically, just this was a tough road trip where they're traveling the most miles of of any trip this season. It's the most games of any trip this season. They're not far removed from a four game road trip um, earlier in November, all of which were against projected playoff teams. Then, all of which are against projected playoff teams now. Um, I don't need to say much more. Like this team going two and two on this kind of road trip is not something. That I expected from the second youngest team in the history of the league with SGA being pretty inconsistent relative to the the larger season sample size.
3: I'm totally I'm totally with you, Nick. Uh, I think they overachieved on this road trip. If, if I had if I had looked at this slate beforehand, had I been on that podcast, I would have said, OK, at most, if I'm going to choose two wins out of this it's going to be against two teams that are experiencing some dysfunction and that is atlanta and minnesota maybe dallas fits into that we'll see tomorrow but yeah I'm totally with you they are overachieving um maybe with the way they they were playing we, we would kind of think our expectations have changed at this point and maybe like hey we expect them to go two and three three and two something like that but i'm i'm really happy with where the team is at now and two and two uh overachieving for sure
1: i'm with you I think they're overachieving. I think I I was surprised they got a win in Atlanta, even with the dysfunction, like you mentioned, Silva. I think that that alone qualifies overachieving. Uh, The Minnesota win, I think with as funky as Minnesota's been, that's the one that I probably expected them to win. And I felt like the showing in Cleveland was pretty impressive, especially given the, the front court that Cleveland has and the front court that Oklahoma City has. I thought they did a really nice job of holding their own, of giving Cleveland a battle, and and like Nick mentioned, it was it was close until very very late in the game. Um, and Cleveland's a really good team, so I think you take that as a win. I'm excited to watch them in person tomorrow night in Dallas uh, get to see what they can do against probably an angry Luka Doncic after a couple recent Mavericks games. So I think they're I up believe for you'll be challenge. there live, right? Yeah, that's right. Nick and I will both
5: be in the building. Oh. It's a bunch of the good American teams. Airlines the Center.
2: Worldwide. <laughs> Gosh.
5: <laughs> but and no, I think I think this team, I thought this team would at least win the Atlanta game once we knew John Collins was out. Um I and I thought anything over that was overachieving. And then of course, like the Minnesota one, they already don't have cat. And then Rudy Gobert decides he wants to like Mortal Kombat scissor kick Kendrick Williams to the floor. <laughs> Uh, And then so coming away with that game and then almost, you know, like I I was thinking the other night, you know, Cleveland just had a really good comeback or no, Cleveland just dropped a game that they were ahead in. Right. And that they might be out to prove something. Um, And OKC kept the game relatively close. I was thinking about how many points Donovan Mitchell could possibly score, but then he was out. And so it's like they're overachieving, but they're still keeping it close against guys that still have or teams that still have good quality guys on the floor um and it shows me a a little bit about something we'll get into later i
2: suppose look <clears throat> uh full group pod and me going last means like i see what you guys are doing here because you guys pretty much <laughs> touch on everything i wanted to uh to mention so you know <laughs> i'm gonna go a little shorter here <laughs> in, in all seriousness I cannot agree more. I mean, I, I do think back, Jacob. You mentioned the the podcast we did heading into this this five game road trip, and um, I, I think I was on the same boat, thinking like if we get one, two wins, I'll feel pretty good. They've already have done that, and they have a chance to do that again uh, coming up against the, the Mavericks that Justin and Nick will both be at. Right, uh, you know, Mavericks are a very talented team, obviously, but you never know what you're what you're going to get with them. Uh, and I think the thing that's maybe made me the most excited on this road trip is it hasn't just been a Shea takeover like it was earlier in the season to Nick's point, like last night, for example, I think Justin covered that really well, but you had Giddy, you had Poku stepping up, you had that, that full unit uh, in, in the, the the beginning of the fourth quarter that really uh, brought the Thunder back into the game and kept them in the game. And so it's seeing players like that stepping up. That really makes me excited. It's not just a Shea show, for example. And um, that's really impressive when you see the, the teams that they played in this road trip, like you guys mentioned. So I've got a follow-up question. I think we all all agree pretty
5: outstandingly that this has been an overachievement. I'm going to ask this statement or ask this question broadly. I think you'll understand what I'm asking, but I don't want to be the guy that's leaning one way or the other on the fence. How does the Thunder overachieving and winning all these games make you feel about the rest of this (laughs) season and the upcoming draft?
4: deep thoughts with Dr. Nick. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Like we're we're going to get a little bit deeper I think into some of this in a second Nick. But we talk about this place of the metal. It's kind of where they're at. They're not maximizing lottery odds. I don't think they're going to be able to. They're a long shot I think for the play in. Like some things are going to have to go very very right for the play in. Um, so they're kind of in that, in that dead zone in the middle, but the goal is to not stay in the middle. If the middle is a stepping stone to something else, then the middle is okay. The problem is when you get to the middle and just hover. So I'm happy with what's happened because I'm seeing
2: progress and I'm seeing growth. I agree with that, but I also push back just a tad on the fact that they're in the middle, like, I understand, and and I also find myself thinking the same because you see the Thunder winning these games. Um, They're obviously better than they were last season. You kind of think about some of the teams ahead of them, you you think they are in the middle, but you look at the standings and technically the Thunder are tied for uh, third to last right now with the Lakers. And to something that Nick brought up here about a week ago or uh, sometime around that time frame, Right? like We expect the Lakers to be better. Uh, obviously, they have been with AD coming back. Um, we expect the Timberwolves to be better. Obviously, Cat's been out. I know Kamiro mentioned that in our Slack earlier. Um, the Mavericks, you have Luka and, and some more experienced veterans on that, that squad. And when it comes to the playoff readiness, about that, you have the Jazz. Who knows? But like my point is, I don't see the Thunder being able to climb much more than they are in a very, very tight Western Conference Combined with like, this is maybe the most, um, the most I, I've actually like gotten into a draft class. Er, the earliest I've gotten into a draft class uh, heading into a a college basketball season. Like, I feel very confident, Nick. I, I know you know this even better than I do. Like, it's, it's a very deep draft class. Like, obviously, everybody wants Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson, but there are some guys even in like that six to fourteen, fifteen range right now. I'd be pretty ecstatic about if the Thunder, especially Sam Pressy is able to get one of those draft picks. So all that to say, I'm pretty happy with with where they're at combined with you know what Jacob said and obviously how I feel about this upcoming draft class in 2023.
1: I think my takeaway is like, I feel indifferent with wins and losses this season, which is very different than the last few seasons where I felt very strongly about it. I also think that Yes, like kind of trending towards the middle right now, but we're what, 26 games in? Is that right?
4: Mm -hmm. There's still
1: a very long, long season ahead. There's a long time period where that could change for one way or another, right? And I think there's a lot that we'll learn about this Thunder team over the next couple months. And then I think when it becomes apparent of where this Thunder team is, which I don't anticipate to be in the playoff race, I think that's when we'll see, you know, what we've seen the last couple seasons. We'll see some extreme measures taken and we're going to see some, you know, bottoming out happen. Does that get them in the top four like it has the last few years? Probably not. But I think um, it's still I think it'll it'll definitely even things out.
5: It's just interesting. Uh, the only way, the only reason why a lot of people feel this way right now is because the team isn't getting blowing, blown out by like 30 a night. Every night it's relatively close and they're all in the games and Shea's dropping 30 plus so far. So we feel very different about this team right now because of the way in which they're losing or coming from behind because they're, they lead the league in like however many games of coming back from 15 points behind. So like they're winning games that they probably shouldn't because they just won't go away, and Shea's just dropping national attention, um, and so like this team just feels different because of that. This and they are also overachieving because of those things.
2: That I I do think you ramp really a point there. Like one through fifteen, I understand there's seven technically seventeen guys on the roster now with, with NBA two ways, but we're much more invested in these guys than no offense to the Moses Browns and the Isaiah Robies but like I'm I'm much more invested into an Usman Jang for example even an Omarui than I was maybe a Isaiah Robie um or you know film the blink player from the past 2 years so I think that's a good point as well yeah, team is
3: way more fun to watch this season um I'm just happy to be along for the ride uh, the ride is a competitive game basically in every single game And ultimately the Thunder may still end up with like the eighth pick in next year's draft.
4: So we've talked a lot about like wins and losses and what these wins on the road trip mean, but Justin, bigger picture, what's like one big thing you've taken away from these last four games, like something that you think is maybe significant for the rest of the season and an interesting development, et cetera, et cetera. Just what, if you had to choose one thing, that you could take away from these past four games that you're like, this is the thing that sticks out to me. What does that think?
1: I think it's that Thunder Twitter may have overreacted to the demise of Josh Giddy. Uh, Giddy's had a great road trip, albeit again, small sample size, four games, but over those four games, he's averaging over 16 points a game, five assists, 10 rebounds, and shooting 44.4% from behind the arc. That's the good stuff from Josh Kiddy. I think he's looked more aggressive. I think he looks more like what we've come to know and love. He's locked in on defense. And I, I hope
4: to see that continue uh, over the coming months. Quick note on that real fast, Justin. Josh is finally playing like a six eight, two hundred and twenty pounder. Yeah. That's I feel a like great he's pull. way more aggressive in the lane. Yeah. He he really wanted to go at Darius Garland like every chance he had last night. Mm-hmm.
2: Taylor, I—that's a good one. I think for me, it's the fact that the Thunder are staying competitive, but not for the reason I would have thought. And what I mean by that is they're—they're uh, they're very good offense, or I shouldn't say very good. They're remaining competitive due to their offensive game and the the players who are able to contribute offensively, but um, not so much defensively, like we've seen the past couple of seasons, right? Like Dignall's pride. Uh, these these teams have pride themselves on competing defensively, and they've really struggled with that uh, here, even during this road trip, but really the season as a whole. So that's really surprised me. Like, they're staying very competitive, but it's not for the reasons that we would have thought heading into the season.
5: I think, uh, to be a bit contradictory to you, Taylor, um, I guess my big takeaway is I fear struggles are coming to be the pessimist of the group, um, since December first, like basically since the beginning of this road trip, um, Oklahoma City's like 25th in offensive rating. They score a lot of points because they play with top five pace in the league, but that doesn't always tell the same story. So when you look at per 100, like they're not good offensively. And games that Shea has struggled, or or moments in games in which Shea has struggled, you've seen this offense look really, really bad. Like two and two is great. Like they winning a game is winning a game, um, but the offense has has continued to be very inconsistent which you should expect from a young team but i just fear against some of these teams upcoming despite being at home for seven games straight could be rough upcoming i think about overall i mean after everything we've seen so far um how much how much and this seems like such an obvious shot how much Higher the floor of this team would be if Chet was able to play and some lady named Liz Frank wasn't holding them back. <laughs> <laughs> because it immediately elevates the ceiling of your team offensively, defensively. I mean, of course, like you're still you do know, like I heard an announcer the other day. They said like they said okay, see, so it was not big, but they were long. And then Chet just totally, totally changes the game in a variety of ways, not just on like offense as shots or defense as a shot blocker. He changes it in like positionless basketball and everything at that. So that's my big takeaway is that this team would be, I mean, if this is what they are right now and you put Chet on them, how many more wins do they maybe even have right now?
4: Yeah. Uh, Call me. I was thinking about that exact thing the other night. For those of you who watched the, the Thunder versus Memphis game, there was a point of time in that game early in the second quarter where Jaron Jackson Jr. just locked down the lane. I'm, he blocked Josh Giddy like three times in five minutes. It's like the Thunder couldn't get anything. And I was thinking, this Thunder defense is going to look kind of like this whenever Chet's here. Just like n- yeah. n- no no space in the lane at all. I mean, just that wingspan, they're going to block everything. Like you put him and Poku out there, and Baisley, that's a lot of rim protection. Uh, Silva finish this off what's what's the one big thing that you took away from this road trip?:
3: Yeah, uh, NBA Twitter has talked about the demise of Josh Giddy, as, as we discussed earlier. Um, I think the real guy who's struggling on the thunder is Trey Mann. I think he's really going through it and has been going through it since like the middle of November, just reading off his the amount of points per game since November 13th, three, three, four. Five, two, nine, sixteen, six, four, twelve, and two. He's like turning down open catch and shoot threes. Only shooting twenty eight percent from three at this point in the season. Really going through it. Clearly trying to figure things out. And uh, I'm not like out on Trey Man, but it's something to look at moving forward for sure. Teams got you know eight.
4: What- yeah, and yep. uh, another guy on the roster kind of starting to steal some of his minutes. Maybe a little bit of head of him on the pecking order in Isaiah Joe. I think all those are really great ones. One thing that, maybe not from the road trip as a whole, but specifically last night in the Cleveland Cavaliers game that jumped off the page to me, I saw Poku grabbing defensive rebounds and just sprinting down the floor with the ball more in that game than I've seen in quite maybe like the entire season. Agreed. And I think that's interesting coming off of a practice and uh, a longer layoff where they had a chance to discuss those things. I wonder if that's a, a moving forward wrinkle for them is just Poku get the board and just, I mean, it was very clear to me. And and maybe this is just a one game sample size because Cleveland plays with one of the slowest paces in the league. Maybe their goal was just beat those two bigs down the floor every single time, get offense flowing early. But that was just something that really jumped off the page to me watching that game last night. Was Poku's rebounding, and how hard the Thunder tried to push the ball down the court. The Poku,
2: one thing that Justin mentioned <clears throat> that I found interesting is they don't disstart Wiggins uh, and and place a Poku in the second half, but very quickly brought Poku back in. So,
4: yeah, I, I think know. maybe that was still some of that play faster than them and and beat Mobley and. And Jared Allen down right. the court. I don't know. Just an interesting little wrinkle. So, okay. So we've been talking a lot about these last four games, right? These uh, this road trip and and how it's gone, how it might end. Let's zoom out a little bit though and look at this whole season from a big picture. Because whenever I look at it, it seems like the Thunder. Nick kind of alluded to this earlier. A bit of a fork in the road here. On like which direction do you go? For the remainder of the season, some stats for you guys. The Thunder's preseason over under for wins was at 23.5. They're currently 11 and 15. In order to go under on that 23.5, they would have to go 12 and 44 or worse for the rest of the season. Doable. it is doable, but I feel like you've got you to gotta do a lot of shit to get there, right? <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> Currently 11 and 15, they have a net rating of negative 1.8. If we compare that to last year, 26 games into the season, last year they were 8 and 18 with a minus 9.7 net rating. Pretty drastic difference. In order to get in the bottom six of the league and have like bottom six or, I guess, top six lottery odds, last year it took 27 or less wins. Season before that was a shortened season, but it was a 26-win pace. So 26 wins or less to get into the top six of lottery odds. Season before that, 26 wins or less. So the Thunder would have to win 26 or less this year if we're going off recent history to get one of those top six lottery odds. I mean, they're already like, you know, almost halfway to 26 and we're a third of the way into the season. If OKC keeps their current win pace, they're going to end up at 34 wins for this season. So Silva, this fork in the road, where do they go? Is this a team that's going to end up 34, 35 wins and be right outside the play in? are they going to push over and make the play-in? Do you foresee them pulling the plug and just trying to bottom out for lottery balls once again whenever we get to... I mean, you're almost running out of time to pull the plug to lose enough games the way they're playing. So where once we've reached this fork, which way do they turn?
3: I think they keep playing it out as is, and I think they let SGA continue to pursue whatever accolades he will be eligible for and considered for. We've seen him... We've seen some guys project him as like an all NBA guy, an all-star guy. I think that is important for this team moving forward to let, let Shay figure out who he is. We see him going off on these nights where he's getting like 20 free throw attempts a game. He he needs to figure out more about his game and play as much as possible and kind of prove that he can play a full season healthy, not prove to us because we kind of know uh, what he's capable of, but prove to the rest of the league that he can play a full season. And, you know, I, Said before the season that 29 to 32 wins is kind of where I expected them to be. i um, to do something crazy and say, How about 30 to 33 wins? Let's move up by one. Uh, I was curious and looked up their strength of schedule on Tankathon, and they're right in the middle at 14. Um, 14th hardest schedule, I guess, is how you would say that. So,
2: which is yeah. certainly better than yeah. I remember, like you bringing that up, uh, preseason Silva, and mm-hmm. we were what, like. One of the hardest schedules. So that's, yeah. that's a good point. So that, we yeah, also I, talked about how the
4: difficulty of the Thunder schedule was the front half. Yeah. And I remember the that. half was the easy part.
3: Yeah. Play it out, end up with the seventh to ninth best lottery odds, I think. And I mean, Presti has the assets to move up if he really wants a guy. He probably can't move up to the top two unless he like did something insane, but you can move up from that point. I think you'd be comfortable with that.
5: Yeah, I think you I think you write this thing out. I mean, this team is already so young. This team you bring back you you bring back Omarui, you bring back Usman Jang, you bring back so many guys that you're sending out of the G League constantly. I mean, like who like for me, I'm wanting the team to feel confident. I'm wanting them to grow more into their roles as you see this team uh grow like it, it, feel, it feels like you're watching something on the precipice of something that could be really, really nice and really special for the future. And I wouldn't want to ruin that the continuity of that, despite the fact that we can probably acknowledge there are four to eight players playing right now that, maybe not eight, but four to seven players that may not be on this iteration of the Thunder in five years, but... You can see that this team is really gelling, and you can see that the guys that you're wanting to play well are actually showing out, including J Dub. Um, so I'm team. You go for it. You just see where your team lands, and if you end up, if you somehow end in the play-in, I don't know how they would do that, which that isn't. I don't think it shakes out, even though their schedule does get a little bit lighter. Um, then you end up in the play-in, but I think that you're we're in the middle of watching something pretty cool.
4: If they made th- the play in, I mean, lottery odd wise, that's not great, but do you know how much goddamn fun that would be?
5: That
2: would so be much <laughs> like, it would be insanely fun. It would be running with no watch parties every away game. Yeah, uh,
4: it's insanely fun then, for the next day. <laughs> if they if they win a play in game, well, yeah, because then you know you end up playing the one seed or whatever, but if they won a playoff game, that post game podcast would be wild, yeah. it would be
2: so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> thunder pelicans first round i'm all about it
1: dude on that note though 34 wins which you said jacob is what they're currently on pace for 34 wins got the spurs in the play-in last year so that it was very different in the east it was a much higher number uh in the eastern conference you had to have 43 wins to make it in the play wow. so who knows where the where the west nets out this year but 34 wins did get the spurs in the play-in which is kind of a crazy thought um i'm with silva i think it's probably closer to 30 um i'm very much like i said earlier i'm kind of in this camp of like it's all gravy i'll feel differently later in the season when it you know depending on where they sit kind of seeing what the thunder choose to do and how they choose to play that but definitely like you got chet waiting at home you know what he's going to add to this team and you see what they're capable of. Now it's hard not to already be optimistic and not be relying on like this extra lottery pick to boost that optimism. Like you want a lottery pick. We got a lottery pick at home and he's Chet Holmgren. Uh, I think we'll be, we'll be pretty good. And then all the assets like Silva also mentioned, you know, you, you land eight, nine, 10 in the lottery and you still have an opportunity to move up probably because there, this is such a deep class. There's probably going to be some fluidity in how different teams' big boards shake out. So I think uh, lots of optimism regardless of where this team ends up in the standings regarding what this team's future looks like uh, prospect-wise.
4: Before Taylor goes real quick, Big Mike New Zealand says, what if the play-in game was Thunder versus Clippers? Yes. Win the play-in and then you get yes. the Clipper swap. Dude,
2: that's the dream scenario. It's <laughs> a good point. Good point, uh, Nick. I I was teasing you in the chat. I I miss Tyreek dearly. <laughs> Anyways, back to the Thunder and not the Chiefs or NFL football. I would, I would have to agree. I'm I'm very much keep the pace. I, I would be disappointed if the Thunder were to go on tank, for example, and. Also, would be disappointed, I think, if we saw like the Thunder go out and make some drastic move. Um, Not even necessarily for a star, but like John Collins is a name that's on the trade block. Let's just throw him out there, for example. I think that would be very anti Sam Presti to go out and do a move like that. And so, to what all of you have said already, um, I I certainly think staying the pace is the right course because, like Nick and I mentioned, Nick and I were talking about earlier, like this is a very deep. Draft class. Um, there's a lot of fun players I think that Sam can get. kamira mentioned this just a little bit ago. Obviously, you have a lot of assets to be able to trade up. Maybe not top three because like those players are just so good. But if you end up at like eight or nine, maybe you can move up into the top five because of those assets that you do have and and uh combine with the players that you currently have. So all that being said, uh, I agree with everything that you all of a sudden just stay in the course. And I'm very curious how that looks. Uh, I think this season compared to the last couple of seasons, because, you know, again, like I, I said earlier, you, you had the, the Robies and the Moses Browns. And like, now we can see Usman Jane. We've seen him. I know, I know we'll get into him here in a little bit, um, but getting to see him with maybe more of a heavier workload with the thunder. Like there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to. And so, I feel pretty good about where, where the Thunder are at. And um, I, I think I agree with everything you guys have said earlier.
5: Yeah, I think this, this team has enough talent that you just let it play out. I think it'll naturally shake itself out one way or another. Um, but one interesting kind of quirk to the modern NBA that I, I think is fascinating is with how many big deals happen and player mobility and and trades that go down, there's a lot of teams that are in situations where tanking is not an option because it doesn't benefit you. And I think when you look at the, the reverse standings today in the NBA, like if the Thunder were to lose tomorrow night to Dallas, they would be in that sixth spot that we're talking about, like the sixth best lottery odds. You look at some of the teams around them, the Washington wizards. I think the whole Bradley Beal situation, it's an every year thing. I don't think he's down to, to tank out another year and then whiff on a Johnny Davis. Not that Johnny Davis won't be good, but to this point he's been very underwhelming. Um, then you've got the Los Angeles Lakers who don't own their pick this year. They want to be good. They have no interest in tanking. Then you go to the Bulls. The Magic own their pick. Top four protected. The Bulls can't tank. It doesn't benefit them. They're going to push for it. From there, you get into the Raptors, the Timberwolves, the Mavericks, the Knicks, the Warriors. Like, who gives, you know? So I think I think history is, is good context with the 26-win mark. Um, I think that is kind of a good benchmark to understand where you need to be to be in that bottom six. But the way it's shaking out this year, just looking where teams have fallen to this point, the Thunder could be solid, mediocre the rest of the way and still be in that six to eight
2: spot. It's
3: a That's good true. point.
2: The league is, is certainly, it. it's more competitive, I think, like we've talked about.
4: Yeah, and there's so many teams that own other teams' picks. You mentioned the Lakers there. You know, uh, you mentioned Dallas, whose pick goes to the New York Knicks. I think there's some sort of protections on that. I'm not for sure.
2: Brooklyn, um, Houston, Utah, yeah. Minnesota. Nah, it's like, it's yeah, the min- Orlando. I mean, it, it's just you go down the list.
4: Yeah, it's like nobody in that in that <laughs> range right there owns their own pick. So it's yep. it's very very fascinating. Um, yeah, I throw my two cents in here at the end. I, I I think you guys have kind of hit it on the head. I I think. They are past the point of pulling every every lever available to intentionally lose games. It's also more difficult to do that this year because you don't have the COVID protocols, so you can't call up uh, a uh on a ten day deal. You can't call up a, uh, um, you know, I, don't, I struggle to even think of guys on the on the Jalen blue Horde. Right now. Yeah, a Jalen Horde. like you can't deep cut Captain Hook. Yeah, you can't go Savior get God those guys. Xavier Simpson. Yeah, you can't go get those guys right now. Um, The, the rules don't allow for it. So, look, it's, I am a
2: Jameis Ramsey fan for what it's worth. <laughs>
5: Teo Maladone. I heard Chris Paul was a Kardashian fan. I saw somebody <laughs> on Twitter.com say that Teo was the best two way contract in the league. I said, Guy, <laughs> give it some time. That's a take. Your team is, is also. Second in the, in the reverse. Seven game, and 20. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte sucks. There's a team that needs to really pull the plug at Charlotte. Trade everybody, man.
4: They are awful. Um, okay, speaking of two-way guys in G League, what a great segue. Before we move on to around the association, we got to give a little Usman Jang update. Our guy had a career night down in Atlanta. Then immediately... Got his ass put on a plane and shipped out to Los Angeles to play some G League basketball. But since he has been out there three games in the G League, Jang is averaging 20.3 points on 52% field goals, 41% from three, 10.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists, two blocks. He looks legit. Like Silva, Nick, I'm going to come to you two first. We watched this guy in person multiple times back in July, and we all continued to say he's got a long way to go. He is very, like, unaggressive. He's afraid to attack the rim. He's afraid of physicality. That's all changing. He's beginning to believe. What are you seeing out of Usman and maybe bigger question when the Thunder come home for this extended homestand after the Dallas game on Monday night? Do you think Jang gets brought back up to the Thunder? And if so, where do the minutes come from?
3: Yeah, he just looks really comfortable. I I know it's in the G League, so in theory he should be better than all those guys. But we see guys in the G League that are like supposed to be better than everyone else and underperform all the time. And like Ous is pretty consistently now, like showing out, uh, using his size to his advantage, which is I think is the biggest thing I took away from summer league is that he wasn't doing that. Was just kind of bouncing off guys, not being as assertive. And he might be doing that right now with not as much, like, force. Uh, He's not, like, dunking on people, but he's doing a ton over people, at least. And I've been really, really encouraged by him.
5: Yeah, I think with with Usman, it's it's the things that you really have to watch for to really understand what makes him so special. Like Silva just mentioned, like, he's not dunking on people. He's not this, you know, big bodybuilder-type guy. Um, It's more the flexibility and the dexterity and the fluidness to his game at 610 when he gets screened the way he's able to you know skinny up through the screen and the way he's able to just do these weird angled things that he as he goes throughout the game it just makes him unique and that that's from his guard background like he was a 6'3 guard not many years ago and he's he's kept that with him and and he's still got the moves and it's it's been fun to watch
1: yeah his fluidity like his body control I think is what surprised me the most the, the way that he can you, you mentioned it kind of like slither slither around and find lanes and get around people like it's been so impressive watching those G League highlights that if any of that translates to the NBA when he comes back to the Thunder he's going to be very impressive and I think have a lot to offer Oklahoma City on the floor I, I think it's very exciting to to watch these highlights from the G League and think about what you could get when he comes back it's also to your point Nick of like what do the Thunder look like in a few months? Um Giving Oost some heavy minutes is going to be a lot of fun. It's also going to lead to some mistakes, right? Like he's still super young. He's still learning. There's going to be a big adjustment period uh, for a couple years with a guy like Oost. But I think you can do that and feel good about it with player development. And hey, if it
2: helps your lottery odds, not a bad added benefit. That's a good point. And that... Uh- Kind of going back to what I was talking about here earlier is getting guys like Usman more of those minutes seems so much more beneficial and so much more exciting, even just as a fan compared to like, again, like no knock on any of these other guys, but um, the Isaiah Robies or the Moses Browns, whoever it may be. Um, but with that being said, I think the biggest thing for me, and this is something that Jacob's talked a lot about. And I think he has hit the nail on the head when he's mentioned, Uh, Usman's confidence right like we saw him go down to the G League and kind of I don't want to say like kind of a shy away from from the spotlight but um, he certainly took a back seat to some of these other guys like why am I I going blank on the guy who played for the Raptors Uh, DJ Wilson there we go Mm -hmm. he's Uh, been good player yeah but they're also putting up like ridiculous amount of attempts and trying to take over games trying to uh, to to you know, make their mark and, and get called up in the league. Now we're seeing Oos come back. You know, he comes back to the Thunder. He gets a career high 15 points. You know, he he plays well with the Thunder, goes back to the G League. And this is where, where we are really seeing him shine um, and even shine above some of those guys like the DJ Wilsons and uh, the Jameis Ramseys, the guys I mentioned earlier. So to see Oos kind of get more comfortable in the G League, it's something that's been really exciting to me. I cannot wait to see how he kind of uh, fits back with the Thunder. And that kind of leads back to the second question I think that you asked, Jacob. Where do those minutes come from? I mean, to be completely honest, based off – we haven't really talked about this. I think uh, Justin talked a lot about this uh, last night and did a really good job in his postgame podcast. But the question that Joe Masato of the Oklahoman asked, asked uh, Coach Mark about Baisley getting DMPs to uh, – Coach – coach's decisions two games in a row and you know his 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 answer to that like it kind of makes me think that oose would be the one to kind of get those minutes instead of Basley.
4: That's that's kind of what I've thought too, Taylor. Um I've talked about for a long time that you know Basley is I think the number one candidate on this team to get traded before the deadline. I think part of that could also open up minutes for Jang to to move up with the big squad. So, will not surprise me. I've been, I was very low on Jang at the draft. Kind of grew on me the the idea of what he could be. He's, I think I saw a stat. Is he like the fifth youngest player in the league right now? If not younger,
3: uh, yeah, if if not
2: it's younger. something insane. I was literally listening. To, it might have been the Zach Lowe podcast, it was. but they were. What was it like? There was a certain player that he was like so many months. It can't be Duran, right? I don't know. Duran's youngest. Duran is the youngest. youngest. But still, he's been Mm -hmm. (laughs) – Jang is very young. Oh no! Sorry, I'm thinking of Poku. Um, Poku is like, 38, 18 months younger than like. um, Oh gosh. who's the Kansas player who got drafted? Oh, Akbaji. Yes. Yeah, he's like six years younger younger than Herb Jones. Something crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um,
4: i'm just i'm excited for Oost. like i've i've really changed my my tune on that guy so i'm really excited before we go to around the association real fast we have to make our predictions for this next week lots of games so let's rapid fire uh silva you're up first monday at the mavericks nick has that post game so make sure you guys join nick for that one Mavericks are three and two in their last five. Luca, kind of just the the ring leader of that entire show. Lots and lots of threes from the Mavericks. Thunder won the
3: last time they were down in Dallas in dramatic fashion. Starting with Silva, win or loss down in Dallas. Uh, I think I've been highly optimistic throughout this whole podcast. Let me be a little more realistic here. I think they're probably <laughs> going to lose that game. I don't see them winning two games in
2: Dallas this season. So uh, give me the L. Taylor. Oh, sorry. I thought we were going next. Uh, next game gets the heat for Mavs at Mavs. Last game of a Road Trip. I'm with Silva.
5: Nick? L. Christian Wood Masterclass. Thunder can't oh guard him. God. 30 and 20. L. That's going to
1: hurt. Justin. Fun fact the Mavs are like something like one and seven when Christian Wood scores 25 plus Ooh. that's a stat that's probably mostly wrong, but I read it on Twitter <laughs> last night under <laughs> win.
4: I'm taking the win as well. They're going to finish the road trip three I and like two. It. Hey, Taylor, and Justin will be there. So that's right. There That's, what,
1: that's really what I'm reading. That's for. what matters. <laughs> I need too. the
4: kids happy. That's <laughs> me all. too. Taylor Wednesday night, the Thunder come home for an extended homestand. They start, that homestand versus the Miami heat Miami 12 and 15 25th in the league in offensive rebounding third worst in points per game. They got a whole lot of old dudes on that team. Really. It's a three headed monster. Uh, it's Jimmy Butler. It's bam Adebayo. It's Tyler hero. They all score 20 plus averaged on the year. After that, it's a massive fall off. Kyle Lowry looks fat and old. Finally, <laughs>
2: <laughs> they have Caleb. What's his face. I, uh, can not remember his last name Martin. Martin. Caleb Martin, thank you. Thank you Silva. <laughs> I want to say Caleb Blow, which I think is the the um North Carolina player. I'm going to go ahead and say this is a W. I think the, the Thunder are going to be excited to be back home in front of the home crowd. Um like you mentioned, Jacob, there's a lot of guys out for the heat. They're just trying to limp through this this part of the regular season. I'm going a W for the Thunder. You can see
5: um the thunder have not beat the heat since august of 2020 and i think that streak comes to an end i think they they beat the heat justin
1: jimmy butler dropped a collaboration with my favorite coffee roaster in the entire country in a niche fact that's probably only exciting for me shout out (laughs) honest coffee lab of rogers arkansas but that's not the only dub jimmy's gonna get because the Heat are going to beat the Thunder.
3: Oof. Silva, what do you got? That's going to be. So I think the Thunder, the Thunder a lot of times cannot keep up with teams offensively. Um, I don't think Miami's going to be a team that they have an issue with that with, though. I think their offense kind of stinks unless Jimmy just decides to like really turn it on, uh, which he can do when he wants. But no, I think the, it's going to be a W for the Thunder. Come here. What do you got? Thunder versus Heat. <laughs>
5: Um, I'm going to say that I mean, you can't beat the heat in this weather. I mean, it's super cold, right? Uh, no, um, definitely I think the heat come away with this win, uh, against OKC.
4: All right, next one. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but Silva has the, po- the post game Wednesday. So make sure you guys join in with Silva. Maybe I should have, I'm going with a W against the heat. Maybe I should have gone L since Silva's doing it.
2: Fair enough. Wow.
4: That, that, that might have been the smart play. Uh, Maybe really bad news for the Thunder because Silva also has the post game Friday <laughs> against the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: Wolves yep. are three and oh, no. two in their
4: last five. OKC won the last meeting. Uh, I hope Kenrich Williams is healthy so we can get round two of Kenny Hustle versus Rudy Gobert. Nick, Friday night, win or loss.
5: Man, um, that team is so damn dysfunctional. But I think Rudy's gonna Rudy's gonna want revenge. That man so might to think about a Rudy Gobert revenge game. I mean <laughs> I know we I know we liked I know we like to trash on him, but that dude actually is like a defensive stopper and if he wants to end the thunder and all of their offensive success, it starts with uh the paint where Shea loves to go all the time. So Justin.
1: Thunder win. Wolves suck. Uh, Gobert is forever doomed to never beat the Thunder after unleashing coronavirus on the world.
4: Silva, cue the sounder. As much as I hate Rudy Gobert,
3: (laughs) Silva, what do you got Friday night? Oh, you know what? Because it's me, give me a W, please. Please,
2: please, loud.
3: Pleading. Let me cover a win. Call Thunder Wolves Friday
4: night.
5: What direction are you going? There was a moment in the last game that we watched with the Cavs where I really felt like I saw Shea looking really, really tired. Um, So with that said, I'm going to go that OKC gets a big fat L. So sorry, Silva. (laughs) Taylor?
2: Uh, I'm going a little more optimistic uh, on this one after I gave the Thunder an L against the Heat. I think they're going to get the W. I think Silva is going to get to cover a W and uh, largely because the Thunder are going to be back home. And there is just a lot of dysfunction with the Timberwolves right now. Obviously, uh, if Cat comes back, that helps a lot of things. I understand that. But like you have D'Lo not playing well, and then you have him playing well. And when he plays well, other players aren't playing well. There's just a lot of dysfunction there. Um, so give me the, the W here for the Thunder.
4: I'm taking the W as well. Thunder are going to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves last game back-to-back Saturday night. Thunder play at home against the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies got their number. Grizz are 5-0 and in their last five. Uh, we've seen multiple times this season. OKC just really struggles with the size the Grizz has. Justin, lead us
5: off. Grizz win. I'll, easy I'll enough. Make easy, I'll make it that easy too. Grizz win. They're, they're freaking good. I think so good, as dude. well.
2: Go ahead and uh, add me there as well.
5: Memphis. Put me in the
4: loss
3: column.
2: I got him going
4: (laughs) three and one this
2: week, though.
3: Chris Vernon and I are adversaries and rivals. (laughs) This (laughs) is a (laughs) Thunderdale. I love it, Silva.
1: Does (laughs) Chris Vernon know that?
5: No. (laughs) <laughs> is this, but is is this Thunder team and that Memphis team going to turn into the Thunder Memphis teams that we grew up watching? Oh, I hope so. that was gonna, that had all those awesome series with 39. all those awesome players. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That'd be fun. Those were some incredible playoff series.
5: I've been thinking about a, a lot about that lately. That'd be fun.
4: There's kind of some similarities there. Yeah. You know, I mean Stephen Adams, the Mark Gasol, two big white guys. <laughs> We don't have anybody to, to punch Steven Adams in the face, but, you know. Uh, Silva, let's take a quick trip through the comments section. Uh, what questions
3: have people been dropping? Let's see. From Luke, Isaiah Joe, or Trey Mann for the future? It's a tough
1: one. My heart says man. My head says Joe currently.
5: Um, I think Isaiah Joe fits a need better. And the fact that like you don't need every guy to be able to create self isolate, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Joe catch and shoot. It's all you need. However, um, I've got more faith in Trey, man. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy to sell stock while it's low.
2: Why not both? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tend to agree with Nicholas over here. I am uh, still a fan of Trey, man. I, I I think he needs to be utilized in the right situation. And I'm a little worried about how that, you know, if, if he can find that here with OKC. But all that being said, uh, I, I still am very high on Trey Man.
5: Yeah, I think right now it seems like Isaiah Joe a lot, um, but that is also not indicative of the future in what Trey can add to his game. I mean, like everybody said, after offseason, Trey Man was the guy that made the leap. He may be just experiencing some – it's possible he's experiencing some social issues. Who knows? That's affecting his play on the court. Uh, definitely, he's had some games that we've seen that said, okay, he's ready to make that make that leap, and he gets uh, the regular season. In some games, he's been really awesome, but some games, he's just been non-existent. So, I'm not willing to make an assessment right now. I mean, like Isaiah Joe, yeah, sure. If you want to make a run right now, sure. Uh, if you want to want to cash in all those chips and get something, yeah. Uh, but if you're going long term, uh, you take Trey Man. But for now, keep both.
3: Mm, I'm not ready to sell all my Trey Man stock just yet. So give me Trey for now. Yeah, sunk sunk cost fallacy. I've already put too much in Trey. I'm
4: not. <laughs> I'm I'm riding with the shit.
3: Gotta hold out. Next question from our good pal Casus Um, I, I don't know who posted it today. I <laughs> But how many of you are trading Bays in a second for Cam Reddish?
2: Oh, oh, oh there we go. Oh, there let, it let, is. Let, let me let me at least uh, let me at least give my no, seriously this seriously seriously. What is going on? The t- this it's, is really, too damn bad.
5: it's really it's really fun to react to something in a vacuum. So let me let me give some thoughts here. Darius Baisley, raise your hand if the Thunder are re-signing him. Crickies. Then why the hell would you not trade him for somebody else that might work?
4: For those listening to the podcast and not watching the stream, nobody
5: rose their hand, just so we're clear. <laughs> so, so point being, if, if they're looking for either a second-round pick or another guy in a rookie-scale deal that plays a different position, and you know for a fact you're not signing Darius Baisley, why not swap Bays for Reddish? In worst case, he walks this summer just like Baisley would have. Yeah. Now tell me why it doesn't make sense. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, if if Nick defending correct, Cam
4: Reddish on the show during this podcast, he's posted a James Wiseman highlight and Slack just for the brand <laughs> right
3: now. Uh, all right, last I love question from um, David earlier in our stream. Are the Thunder a good bad team or a bad good
5: team? Ooh. I think it's the
3: former. They're a good bad team. I think they're I'm somewhere
5: waiting. in the middle. Ooh. That's fair. Or trending somewhere in the middle. Ooh!
2: So are they a badish good team or a goodish? Bad team? They are a up and
5: coming good team that's yep. just quite inconsistent right now.
4: They're a, they're a good bad so team great. that's trying to make the transition to being a bad good team. This hurts my head.
5: I
1: think they're a bad bad team because they're bad at being bad.
5: Yeah. Oh. Let's do bad, cap, bad bad cop bad cop. It's my favorite game.
4: <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and when we get back. And we're back. Nick is currently urinating.
5: Hello. So before he gets back, that let's a, take. Why would, you that say that, why would you say that live on air?
4: I mean, sometimes people need to know. <laughs> Silva, take us around the association. It's
5: 2022. I don't even know where you're sitting at. But... <laughs>
4: the best sound on them. Somebody, uh, I think on Reddit, mentioned that sounder the other day. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. All right, gentlemen. It is currently December 11th before this week is out. It will be December 15th, which is not only payday for a lot of people, but it is the day that all of the players, most of the players who signed a contract last summer are trade eligible. I think after December 15th, it's something like 89% of the league Can be traded, meaning they don't have like some sort of no trade clause or uh, the right to veto something because they picked up like a player option or something where 89% will be available to be traded. That marks the unofficial opening of trade season, which will run us less than two months up into the February 6th deadline. Might be February 6th. So, my question for around the association very simple which teams need to make an early move? And what is it that they should do? Open to the floor. Whoever wants to go first.
5: I will go first. Um, I've got four teams and I'm Full not really, I, I'm not, yeah, I know. Right. I'm not really offering <laughs>
3: <laughs>
5: That's great sounder. I'm not really offering too many solutions as much as it is kind of like ideas, Chicago. At some point you got to blow it up. Like, you got aging Demar Derozan. You have uh, Vuch and Vucevic a contract here. Vucevic, uh, right there. Uh, Zach Levine is never going to learn how to play defense. Um, and Lonzo got, Ball you know, might never Lonzo. learn to walk again. Yeah, you got Lonzo Ball. <laughs> you got so many issues on that team. God. Like just, just blow it up and that might go hand in hand like with with some other trade but miami i have no clue but get duncan robinson off that damn team oh my gosh like just the way he's performed over the last really year and a half or a really, year and a quarter i guess now uh it's like that salary is like people think, people think people think basley's uh you know salary is an indictment of his career look at duncan robinson what he's doing on this <laughs> new contract the lakers that's very obvious you have Schroeder, sure, cool. You have Russ actually looking really nice off a bench roll. That might man of the year. That, that might inflate his value uh, to get more shooters than just my boy, Austin Reeves from OU. And then mm-hmm. Dallas, uh, I mean, they need another running mate. I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie can be your next best guy up um, outside of Luca. So you he needs a running mate, whether it be a big man that can stretch the floor or just a sidekick like a Jalen Brown, but I don't think they have the assets to pull that off. So I don't know for that one. But so I just unloaded my clip. I'm done. <laughs> Dallas Dallas let their the running mate walk in free agency. And to be clear, Dallas is not the second best team in the West. The the playoffs were just like right place, right time. Played the best basketball they had all season during that stretch. I think even even if Brunson comes back, they're like sixteen and to. ten instead of thirteen and thirteen. I do too. I, I, I think Dallas and does need to make he's a move, been really good. But Dallas making a move for a running mate, unless it's like a Brad Beal, getting another guy, Jalen Brunson level is not going to fix this team.
1: Let, I think Dallas
2: is a co star.
5: Let
1: me throw an idea out for Dallas.
4: I'm ready. Zach Levine. I hear that one a lot.
1: See,
5: that's I what think, I'm saying. Like these teams are interconnected some way. Yeah.
4: Dallas. Mm-hmm. I think has to wait till after the draft in order to open up the ability to trade more draft picks because their pick is owned in New York. So after the draft, they technically will be able to trade their 2024 pick. And that opens up a lot more options for them, but it's interesting. I think
5: um, a lot of the criticism Russell Westbrook got during his kind of peak years where he was ball dominant, high usage stat patter, does your triple double actually mean anything? I don't think Luca's getting that yet, but I think he will. And this could come back to bite me. Luca could get a co star and they could win five championships in a row. But I think Luca getting a real co star, which he's never had, he's never actually had a real co star. Porzingis is the closest thing to it and he's not that. I'm curious if it actually works. Like you get a guy like Zach Levine that needs the ball in his hands, takes it out of Luca's hands. Like, does that actually work? I don't know. Do you think you would have to be a Harden situation where he'd have to go to somebody else's team to be that co-star instead of staying in Dallas? I almost he could be a Shades co-star. I'm okay with that. He needs he needs like an elite or two elite co-stars that are just like Clay Thompson type of guys, like catch and shoot. Don't need to needs dribble. a Mikael Bridges. Yeah, don't need the ball like that. That kind of guy, or True. or even a, a dominant big like a Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. where yeah. there's not a guard competing with the reps for him. I, I just, like in a vacuum, Zach Levine and Lucas sounds awesome. Does it actually work? I don't know. Like how much does Valanchunas even move the needle for having him go to Dallas? I don't think that much, but I think it does be move better the needle. It'd be better. Yeah. Right now, I mean, Jason Kidd refuses to start Christian Wood. Um, JaVale McGee was maybe the worst signing of the off season. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do.
2: I like Bad. all of those. One that I have here, though, is the Atlanta Hawks.
0: I John was Collins. just thinking. Of oh, yeah, is a
2: name that keeps getting brought up over and over and over. Uh, Murray and and Trey are good sometimes, but like obviously we've heard the the noise about you know Trey and their head coach um, Kamiar, Justin uh, Silva. It, Anybody who follows OU basketball, like we know, there's a little drama there with Trey Young. It's an issue. So, what are they going to do? They're they're going to have to do something. They they to push their chips the chips into the middle Taylor. of the table. What are they going to do, do?
5: Tell us. Tell us. Don't, don't, don't well, ask. they're the going to John Collins.
2: Four. I, I kind of like like moving John Collins to the uh, Indiana Pacers and going and getting you know like we keep hearing about the Pacers and the Lakers like. Why not the Hawks going in and getting in on, on something like a Buddy Hill or a uh, Miles Turner? It's kind of my thoughts. Today. Interesting. I've got one that's
5: probably hot. Ooh, I like hot. Kamiar talked about the heat and <laughs> needing to get off of. Oh, you get it. Duncan Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm not convinced that. So Jimmy Butler as good as he is. I thought it was kind of a stretch to sign him for that long, huge deal at his age. If you could trade him for like similar to the Drew holiday trade where you're getting back a solid young piece, a couple solid young pieces, an up and coming kind of guy and some picks. And then you also move off Lowry to a team that'll give you a first to try to become a contender. I'm not convinced that like the heat couldn't be good again in 18 months and and, in a better situation than they are today. I'm I with worry, you. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you to some extent, but I, I worry about Butler and the and, uh, uh, point guard. Lowry's and Lowry's age, in, in comparison to the rest of the roster. The roster makeup, as far as their age, is so like complex as far as you have your old heads that are experienced, that are somewhat stars, and you have Lowry who's already won a title. Uh, but then you also have your Tyler heroes that ex- have have experienced some pretty good playoff highs, but I, at the same time, some pretty playoff lows. Uh, so, and then, then you have Bam Adebayo, just like right in the middle there. That's a known commodity Tyler that's known to be really, really well, really, really good night in and night out and is more consistent than Tyler hero, I think. So but that's, that's my point though. If, if you, if you trade Butler and Lowry and you get an up and coming young guy, um, and then you trade Lowry for a first, all of a sudden you've got this young up-and-coming team with Bam and Hero and a bunch of other guys that will be good. And, I mean, think about it. Yeah, how do you get worse than 12 and 15? You know what I mean? 11
4: like, and 16? Well,
5: obviously. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, trade, you trade your two vets, you get younger, your ceiling gets higher longer term, you kick the can down the road. I mean... It's a tough pill to swallow. Like trading Jimmy Butler is no just like decision you make overnight. But if this team doesn't figure it out soon, I think you have to really consider it.
4: Russ and the two first for Jimmy Butler. Mark it You're down three.
5: now. It, it, oh God. Don't forget they'll, they'll have to throw in a. No, what's what's the new deal? But what's the new THT deal? Is it none? Schroeder none. Schroeder none
4: and the twenty twenty nine first. Yes.
3: Classic. It's not good. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Uh, sure. I was going to say Atlanta. Glad Taylor talked about that one. So I'm going to say Phoenix. No team knows how to lose in a dishonorable way or get blown out like the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> they got dog walked by the Mavericks on Monday the 5th. Lost 130 to 111. Silvatures so and violence. My God. Dog walked. Look, I, I've missed a lot of Sunday shows in a row. I'm ISO <laughs> in here. Got dog walked by the Celtics on the 7th, 125-98. Got clowned by the Pelicans at the end of the game by Zion, which I thought was cool. Did the windmill dunk A-plus. as time was expiring? Unwritten
1: Ta- rules are stupid.
3: They're stupid. They talk too much. Especially shit
4: about when the Phoenix Suns have broken that rule multiple right. times and Against then get the a spaghetti whenever someone does it to them.
3: Get like, out you of here! Do that to me, and then they went and lost to the Pelicans again tonight, one twenty nine to one twenty four. So I don't know. They need to trade Jay Crowder. Just like sitting at home, trade him. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't trade Cam Johnson. I think he's too important. I don't think you, can get, you wouldn't trade Chris Paul, so it's going to be like Jay Crowder, draft picks, Aiton. Kyle I Kuzma comes up a lot with them. I know that's kind of what I was thinking too. At some point, I think they'll move on from DeAndre Ayton, but I don't think that'll be this season. So you got to learn a lesson about
5: Kyle Kuzma. He puts up huge numbers on teams that aren't good, and then he gets to a team that has games of consequence, and he's back to thirteen a game. Mm. Yeah. Here, here's here's um, one here's one for you. I don't I don't think they should make rash decisions because. Rash decisions are what get you in the hole that you were in, but I could totally see the Kings saying, "Man, we're finally here. We're going to make the playoffs. Let's trade a future first for another piece." I could see them making a move.
3: I've, I thought you were, were going to say they're going to trade Darren Fox or something.
5: No, 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 no.
4: <laughs> they, um, they've been linked a lot to John Collins as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that at all. But Kings but are could fun, you not man. See him doing it. I could. It's, it's the Kangs, you know. The, We've got 20 the,
5: years of history. Are the Kangs officially turning into back into the Kings?
4: Yeah, uh, we talked about this last week. I think they lose the A. The vowel goes back to normal now.
5: No, for it, the no, time it goes, being. It goes A-E-I-O-U, so they're now at an E. They're like the, kings. <laughs> the <laughs> okay. kings. The Kings. The um, Kings.
4: I've got a couple. One that I think needs to probably make a move quickly. We talked about forks in the road. The you okay,
0: quickly
4: Utah Jazz need to make a decision like it's time to shit or get off the pot you're you're either pushing and you're making the playoffs or you are tearing this thing down. Um, I don't know if they can tear it down fast enough though because I think tearing it down means like you're trading Colin Sexton, you're trading uh, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, you are trading Mike Conley or maybe moving off of like Laurie Markkinen. You really got to take this thing down to the studs. I just don't think they can do it quick enough in season. So maybe they're a team that trends the other way and becomes a buyer. Um, but I think they got they got to make a decision here pretty soon. They started this season off super hot. They're now 15 and 14, 3 and 7 in their last 10. They were really good with Mike Conley in the lineup. Uh, The other one, maybe not a team that needs to make a quick move, uh, but one that I'm really interested to see what they do is the Toronto Raptors. There's been Fred Van Vliet talk. Uh, There's been Gary Trent Jr. talk. There's been, you've got three guys that are basically carbon clones of each other. Scotty Barnes, OG and Anobi, Pascal Siakam. Do you go youth movement and move off either Pascal or OG or both? and really focused to build around Scotty, they've got some interesting decisions to make. You could get a whole lot for Pascal Siakam, and you could get a whole lot for OG Ananobi. Like a whole lot. OG's been incredible. Like OG might be an all-star and first-team all-NBA defense this year.
3: Scotty's had a really rough season.
5: I know he's been hurt, but... Yeah, he's been struggling. But His efficiency is horrific. mm Mm-hmm.
4: If I mean, you could put some interesting stuff around the those pause guys. is Great there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Any other teams that need to make a quick trade once this unofficial trade season opens up? You guys gonna be? I feel like we talked about like half the league. That's what I was gonna say. Is the, the obvious team we haven't.
5: The <laughs> obvious one we haven't talked about. The team that we cover. Need a hello, Enter- Devin Vassell. Need a center badly. That too, hey I, I, Nick. It, it, we it, talked about this at length. I know. Go get Nas it's, Reed. it's not even about like, God, I have a center to make the plan. It's more about when Chet comes back. There's going to be guy in this guys on this roster that have been here for two or three years that have never played with the center at the NBA level. Like seriously, mm-hmm. Josh Giddy has not played with a center at the NBA level for at minimum for development's sake and to make that transition to playing with Chet a bit easier in an 82-game season, go sign a guy that's a lob threat and can emulate some of the things Chet does so it's a smooth transition next year. Because hey, the game is going to look a whole lot different. The
4: 15th is on Thursday. The Wolves are
5: here on Friday. Just leave Nas Reed. Don't want him to get on the plane. <laughs> I like I like Reed, but I'd, I'd prefer not another 6'9 under, undersized guy. Give me a 7-footer that's not 6'11". Orlando's micro-scala. been talking about moving Mo Bamba. Let's go Thank talk you. fall. Thank Talk you, Jacob. That's exactly where I was going.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we've known for years that I've been on board the Mo Bamba trade just so every time he hits a free throw, I can hear the Paycom Center go,
5: I got hoes. There, there might not be a better center in the league to emulate Chet yeah. for the next 60 games of just spacing the floor, good shot blocker, that skinny build that could also play either – Alongside Chet in certain scenarios, or be a fantastic backup on a really. And he's anyway. not getting minutes like, in Orlando. No, but I think, I still think he's on a team friendly deal. I think for what he could do, 11, like 11 million one. a year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I kind of like it. I kind of love it. It's fun. <laughs> because i came up with it it's not really aren't that's, that's, those that's, aren't that's those, those than the, everything the flavors I'm, I'm like aren't song. those the sizes of flavors at like cold stone creamery or something like Indeed Like it are. love it gotta have it or something yeah like we got that. a segment really? about that oh I yeah don't like ice cream that's where though.
4: i got like it love it gotta have it segment from all right yeah. silva so we'll play that outro music we've been talking for too long you guys thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate you If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast at, whatever app you use. If you haven't, sub to the YouTube channel. Join us every Sunday, 9 p.m. Central Time, after every Oklahoma City Thunder basketball game. Speaking of, you guys will get to see Nick in about 24 hours after the Thunder take on the Dallas Mavericks. You get JD twice this week, Wednesday and Friday. And then Justin will finish off the week with another Saturday show for us before we are back next Sunday for a Christmas special. It'll be a good one, so make sure to tune in. You guys have a great beginning of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Until then, as always, Thunder Up!